Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Pull Up For The J Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Felton. Excited to be back. Excited to be back. Ignore that notification. We're just getting stuff started. What if I What if I told you that that was like me getting calls about free agency in the NFL? That'd be kind of hilarious, wouldn't it? One day I'll be there. One day, one day. This is episode 78. Um, we have a lot to talk about in the NFL, but we'll get to that later because obviously it's been a long time since I did an episode, about a month ago. Or a little less than a month ago, right when the trade deadline happened in the NBA, the big Ben Simmons for Kyrie Irving trade. I want to start there first. Um, but as always, make sure you follow me on Instagram at jfelton. That's J-F-E-L-T-O-N-N. The Twitter is three N's. P-F-T-J Media, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, all of that stuff. Um, but I want to talk about this Net Sixers situation because I'm not going to say I was one of the few people because I'm pretty sure it was probably split down the middle in terms of who thought who won the trade but um i remember coming on here saying that i thought the nets won the trade and i thought people were flaming me like oh ben simmons he's not gonna play the nets had this much firepower when they were all healthy and together but if you look at what the nets got in return if you look at what the nets needed really prior to this trade with Kyrie, kd and harden they needed a big because Nick Claxton is just not really a big. He's, he's not going to cut it for you. They needed shooting. Joe Harris out for the season. They didn't have any shooting outside of really Patty Mills. And they needed defense. They needed a strong defensive anchor. Because frankly, the team has always been suspect defensively. It, it, they've always been suspect defensively. And and what, what did the Sixers give them? In, what did the Sixers give them? Right? They gave them a big Andre Drummond who... If you ignore last year's Lakers season, he's been pretty good this year. They got Seth Curry, who, in my opinion, is one of the best, like, cheap contract players in, in the league. He's always been somebody that, as soon as he leaves a team, uh, that team instantly regrets it. I can think of Portland regretting him. Obviously, Philadelphia could use him now, right? Like, this is this is not a new situation. Every team Seth Curry goes to, even Dallas, every team Seth Curry goes to, they miss him dearly after he leaves. Because he's just one of those players that is very high. He's a very high impact player and he's on a very cheap deal. He can shoot the lights out and he doesn't get paid the likes of, you know, other guys in the league that I'm thinking of that used to play for the Wizards that recently got traded to Dallas who will remain nameless. Right. He's on a very cheap deal. He's on an extremely cheap deal. And what did he do in the game a couple days ago when Ben Simmons returned to Philadelphia and the Nets played? He shot the lights out. He shot the absolute lights out of the ball. And then lastly, what did the Nets need? They needed defense. They needed a strong defensive anchor. And what happened? Who did they get? They get Ben Simmons, who last time he was healthy, he finished second, second in the NBA in defensive player of the year voting behind Rudy Gobert. So when we're looking at this and you look at this game, Seth Curry had 24 points, 4 of 8 shooting from 3, 10 of 14 from the field. This is without this is without Ben Simmons there. They held this team to 100 points. Really, it was about 70, 75. It was like, it, they really held them like 70 by the time they took Embiid and Harden out of the game. They, they, they had James Harden in absolute hell last night. Or not last night, a couple nights ago. They had him in absolute hell. And people were saying, oh, James Harden is back to... Uh, you know, his his typical self when he needs to play in the clutch. I'm not going to get into that. Um, 
James Harden does need to rewrite his narrative about being clutch. But um, last night, the Nets showed to me why they won the trade. Now, I'm not going to overreact and say um, one game decides who wins the trade. But when we're talking about in the future, we're looking down the line. You know, the Nets, they obviously needed this game more than the Sixers did, right? Because they're fighting for their playoff lives. They're, eighth seed, they're in the eighth seed. But they've won two in a row. They've won two in a row. And you look at their schedule. They've got Knicks, Magic, Mavericks, an injured Blazers. A Jazz Grizzlies Heat. Like, this is going to be a huge stretch. This is going to be a tough stretch. And if they can pull out of these games, you know, somewhat comfortably, they might have a chance. And if you're looking at the rest of the league, I don't think they'll drop out of the playoffs. Like, I don't think Washington has a chance. They're just, they, I really don't want my Wizards to even make the play in tournament. I want them to tank for Ty Ty, uh, which we'll get into a draft, uh, a draft lottery preview in another episode. But, um, I, I want to talk about the reason why I think the Nets are going to be in good shape because Ben Simmons, in terms of his acclimation, he really doesn't have to do much. The expectation room is going to be much lower than what it was in Philadelphia, which is really good, right? Kyrie, sooner than later, is going to be playing home games, right? That's basically inevitable. And when we talk about this team, they really don't need another score. They really didn't need, in my opinion, another James Harden. Now, granted, when James Harden was out there, God bless America, right? Who, who was really going to stop them three all fully healthy? Nobody, really. But in terms of a better natural fit, this feels like a better natural fit, in my opinion, which is why I got to give props to Brooklyn. Now, and we're talking about Philadelphia. I think the one thing holding them back right now is... The Tobias Harris contract. Like, you look at Tobias Harris's contract. It's not friendly by any means, right? He's going to be making... This year, he's making about $35, $36 million. Next year, goes up to 37 then 39 He's not going to be a free agent until 2024, which is when I graduate college. So, for those that are still going to be listening to this podcast, by the time I graduate college, I appreciate all of you. He will then be an unrestricted free agent. At the age of 32 years old. That is a huge, a huge deal. And not only is that huge, because by then, James Harden will be a free agent. And you look at James Harden's, or James Harden will be a free agent after next year. James Harden is probably going to be making close to $60 million starting at the age of 34. You could see how concerning that can be long term for Philadelphia, which is why. I'm questioning why Daryl Morey decided to pull the trigger on that so easily. Like when I heard the reports, it was it's supposed to be they're supposed to be giving up Ben Simmons, Seth Curry a first and a second. In which case, I was like, that's about that's respectable. When I saw they were giving up Andre Drummond, Seth Curry, Ben Simmons, and two firsts, I was like, hold on now, that seems a bit overkill. I knew it was overkill from the start. People were telling me Philly won the trade. How? How? How are they going to win this trade? Because this is a short-term thing. James Harden is getting old. James Harden is, is clearly in decline compared to what Kevin Durant Kyrie Irving are. They're not in decline. James Harden has really shown signs of decline over the last year and a half in terms of production. Now, you could say that's due to injury. But then again, James Harden has not been somebody that's been injury-prone. And injury-prone is a sign of somebody on the decline. Like, LeBron didn't miss this much time before he went to L.A. We'll talk about LeBron's 50.9 against my Wizards in a minute. But even when LeBron came, when he started getting injured the first year, came back and was healthy, people were like, oh, all right, it was just a fluke. Came back, got hurt again, got hurt again this year. It's like people are really starting to question, okay, 
is is he getting up there now granted the thing with lebron is his production hasn't dropped at all like james harden's production has dropped lebron he's about to lead the league in scoring again like what are we doing right now he's 37 year 19 him and kareem are up there with best longevity ever i think he has better longevity than kareem statistically um but james harden is not in that boat and when we're talking about players that are going to be making that much money that late in their career you need to be producing to the level of lebron james when you get that old like that's like a must um and i understand i i really actually i don't understand because when we talk about james harden he could have opted out and he almost certainly would have gone to philadelphia next year anyways he probably would have left brooklyn so you really didn't have to give up that much you did you let brooklyn off the hook and brooklyn came into your house last week Brooklyn came into your house on Thursday and they took care of business. It, it was quiet in there, right? I saw the fans. They were hype. They 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 were loving it when when Embiid and KD were going were going at it, talking talking to each other, right? Fans loved that, of course. But the Nets quietly they they hushed them up really quick, right? The Nets put up a forty burger in the first quarter. I knew what time it was. I was like, "Yep, we we know what it is. We know what it is. We know what it is." And so I, I just think that's interesting when we talk about the Nets and Sixers long term. Yes, the Nets are going to be a big deal. The Nets still have a long ways to go. They're the eight seed. They're nowhere near in any comfortable range like Philadelphia. Granted, Philadelphia, they're three, but they could easily be five. They could easily be five. And we'll talk about the rest of the Eastern Conference later. But that's just something to put into perspective. If you're the Nets, if you're a team like Miami... I don't want to play them in the first round. Now, if I'm the Bucks, I'm probably licking my chops. I'm not even gonna to lie to you. If I'm if I'm Milwaukee, I'm probably licking my chops at the opportunity to play Brooklyn, personally. But Miami, I don't know if they. I don't know if Miami wants to play them. I don't. I don't know if Miami wants to play them in the first round. And I, I'll talk about Miami because I've been very impressed with what I've seen from the Heat uh, lately. But um, yeah, that's what that's what we've been talking about. Today, we're going to be talking about a lot of different things we're going to be talking about. Obviously, when we come back, talk about LeBron's 50 ball. We'll talk about, you know, the state of the Lakers. We'll talk about the state of the Eastern Conference. Today will be a more of an Eastern Conference talk. Um, and then we'll talk about the NFL because we have some big things happen. Russell Wilson to the Broncos. Carson Wentz to the Commanders. Amari Cooper to the Browns. Whole, Bobby Wagner got released. A whole lot of, whole lot of craziness around the association and around the league. So stay tuned for that PFTJ Media. Stay tuned. Episode 77. Welcome back to episode 78 of this podcast. We're going to be talking about now. We got we got to talk about this Lakers. We got to talk about the Lakers. LeBron James now leads the league in scoring. For those that haven't been watching or were waiting for me to react, he had yet another 50 ball on my Washington Wizards last night. Um, in a game I thought Kuz would go for 30. He did go for 23. But um, LeBron, 50 points, 6 assists, 7 rebounds, and a 13-point win for the Lakers, 109 to 122. I just want to say this. I just want to say this. Every time LeBron goes for 50 on my team, I'm amazed at how content people are with playing single coverage on him. Like, I don't think, I don't think he faced the double team probably the entire... I'm not gonna see the entire second half. But there was a there was a the majority of the stretch in that game. 
Mans did not face a double team at all. And I'm just like, if you're going to, you got to have some pride and, and stop the man at least. But LeBron is him. LeBron is him. When he's making that perimeter jumper, there's nothing you can do about it. You know, he, he has that heat check in him, that audacity. He'll just pull from wherever. It don't matter. He balled out. But I do think it's interesting, though, with the Lakers. It's kind of unfortunate, honestly, that he has to drop 50 for them to win. Like, he dropped 56. He dropped 56 against Golden State earlier this week. And then they lost in overtime in a game where he had a 23-point triple-double. Like, wasn't enough to win. Um, Even though that I do think that was a game he didn't really play well in. Uh, but nonetheless, this team... They're, they're struggling badly. LeBron is one of the few bright spots of this season. And when we're looking at the scoring title, which at this point is really the, the what he should be chasing at this point because ain't no championship coming this year. Not a chance. He's leading in scoring by like a few hundredths of a point. Although it's really small, it's enough to give, hey, he's got the lead. Giannis and Embiid are right behind him. And personally, I think Giannis will probably finish with the scoring title. I just think that's something. I just think in terms of game plan, it's going to be harder. I just feel like Giannis is just going to be on that uh, on that type of time. And I really can't explain why I feel that way, but I just do. And, what, and what's interesting about this season, is, is, which is crazy, is this is Giannis' highest scoring season this year. And this is LeBron's most efficient year in like five, six seasons, which is crazy. It's one of the most efficient seasons of his career. The man shooting 35% from three on eight attempts, insane efficiency. And he's 37. Like y'all hear the jokes. Y'all know what y'all know the jokes. Y'all hear these jokes all the time. So, you know, the fact that he's still doing this at a high rate is, is remarkable. I got to give him props for this. This is not an easy thing to do. It's not easy by any means. He makes it look easy. Now, Embiid, on the other hand, I will I will say about Embiid is that he goes to the free throw line a lot. Whether you believe, whether you believe he gets fouled that much, that's up for debate. I'm not really trying to argue that. But when we talk about Embiid, when we talk about Embiid, I do think that that plays a big difference because a lot of the times it beats scores, it's like not efficient. Sometimes it's or not. It's not majority of the time. Sometimes it's not efficient, but he gets like 16, 17 free throws. So it kind of balances out kind of. And I don't really think that that is a good thing. And I don't think that's sustainable if we're talking about winning the scoring title, which is why I have LeBron and I have Giannis ahead of him. Now, granted, Giannis goes to the free throw line a lot. I hear a lot of people, you know, they don't like the way he, you know, basically creates contact. And that has been an issue in the NFL. Um, But I don't see that slowing. I don't really see the slowing him down considering I don't think he really gets the benefit of his his numbers don't really come nearly as often as MBs when it comes to free throws. Obviously, LeBron probably gets the gets the fewest amount of free throws of anyone on this list. Which is what makes this so remarkable. And when we look at this Lakers team, their schedule is for the rest of for the rest of March. Man, we gotta pray because they got Phoenix, 
Phoenix on Sunday, the Raptors on Monday. That's a back-to-back. Then they've got the Timberwolves Wednesday, Raptors again Friday, Wizards on Saturday, Cavs Monday, Sixers on Wednesday, Pelicans on the 27th, Mavericks on the 29th, Jazz on the 31st, and then they start April against the Pelicans, then the Nuggets, then the Suns, and the Warriors. Thunder and then the Nuggets to end their season. That is a bru- that is a brutal schedule, guys. I don't think y'all understand how crazy of a schedule that is. Suns, let me say it again. Suns, Raptors, Timberwolves, Raptors again. All of those teams are playoff teams. Wizards, not a playoff team. Cavs, playoff team. Sixers, playoff team. Pelicans fighting for a playoff seed with the Lakers. Mavericks playoff team, Jazz playoff team, Pelicans again fighting, Nuggets playoff team, Suns playoff team, Warriors playoff team, Thunder they're in rebuild, Nuggets playoff team. That's one of the toughest schedules in the league. And when we look at the Lakers, they're ninth right now. They're two and a half games behind the Pelicans and they play them twice. And this is a Pelicans team that already beat them by 30 at home this season. And if they get Zion back, to pair with C.J. McCollum and Brandon Ingram, comma, period, comma, comma, comma. It could be a serious, serious problem that this team drops to the 10. Now, granted, if you need one game, Anthony Davis and LeBron James, I like my chances against two of the three. I don't really like their chances against the Clippers if Paul George comes back. I'm not picking him to beat the Clippers. But I think they can beat Minnesota. I think they can beat the Pelicans if LeBron and AD come back. If you need one game for your life. Like, that's the thing with LeBron James. LeBron James is so great that no matter how bad his team is, one game, I don't know if I'm, I'm not betting against LeBron for one game. I'm not doing it. Unless they're clearly over overmatched. Right? I think the Clippers clearly overmatched them. The rest of these teams, it's a toss-up to me. It's a toss-up. So if you're the Lakers... You don't want to mess around and drop and let San Antonio come back and get you. Because San Antonio is only a game behind the Pelicans. The Trailblazers are tied with the with the Spurs. So you got the Blazers and the Spurs to worry about. You look at the Spurs schedule. Pacers, Wolves, Thunder, Pelicans. You know, they've got a lot of different they've got a lot of different matchups here. They've got they've got a much easier schedule. They got the Blazers three times in the last month of the year. So They've got the Pelicans again, and you know that's a very intense schedule as well. But like a lot of those teams are against teams that are in that hunt as well. And when we look at Portland, they've got the Spurs three times. They've got the Rockets two times. They've got the Pacers. They've got the Pistons. They've got the Thunder. Like this is an easy schedule. Portland could very easily catch up on the Lakers. We could be talking about April one. They're knocking on the door. They're knocking on LA's door like, hey, we're here. Now, granted, is Anthony Simons going to play? I don't know. I don't know. But that's something you got to look at. That's something you got to look at because this team, the Lakers, this Lakers team, you know, they, LeBron has been playing great, but, you know, they're not that far off. This team is, is up on their heels, man. Like, it's a very this is a very close situation that they've got going on that they've got to take care of. They've got to take care of business. They can't mess around and let, you know, another team come up in here and and take them out the playoffs. That's the last thing you want. 
It's the last thing you want. So, again, something they need to think about. Something the Lakers need to look at because it's a dire situation. But let's move on to the Eastern Conference. Let's move to the East. Let's move to the East. Slide to the East. Slide to the right. I want to talk about a few teams in the East. Not all of them. I want to talk about Miami because I watched Miami play Cleveland last night. And if you follow me on Twitter, you know how skeptical I've been of the Heat. Heat fans have been in my mentions like, oh, you don't watch enough games. We'll be just fine. Don't worry about us. Worry about your team. Wholly ironic because my team is trash. What is there to worry about my team? Um, but I watched them play against Cleveland last night. And I was thinking, because, you know, award the season's almost over. You got to have your MVP, Depoy, all that stuff. And I was thinking, I was like, I think Bam might be the Depoy. But I don't know. I don't know. It, it, the Depoy is one of them things where it's like it's always a close race because it's the Depoy. And I watched them play Cleveland. I'm watching the first half. I'm like, okay, very balanced game between two two playoff teams. This this should be good. And then I see them put Bam really on Garland in the second half. Like he was guarding him, high pick and roll. He switch on to him. And they had the Cavs in absolute hell in that third quarter. Like, there was a stretch where Seti Osman got ripped twice by Jimmy Butler. Both ended up in layups. Like, blocked, they blocked Garland's shot. They blocked Dean Wade's shot. Like, there was a point where the Cavs couldn't score. They couldn't make a field goal for what felt like four or five minutes. And every single trip down, it was like, Cavs don't score. Heat are in transition. Easy bucket. And then it hit me like, you know, my my knock on the Heat has always been, oh, I don't trust their half-court offense, which in the playoffs is an understandable concern. It's a very reasonable concern. It makes sense why somebody would be concerned about another team's half-court offense because in the playoffs, it's mostly a half-court game. If you can't score in the half-court, you're going to have issues. But if you can defend like how the Heat defended last night, I mean, my goodness, you really, you you might not need a half-court offense. You might, you really might not need a half-court offense. Now, granted, the Heat, their only half-court offense is really Tyler Hero. Shout out Tyler Hero. He's probably going to be sixth man of the year. I don't have anybody else ahead of him. But if they can defend like that, what is there to worry about? What is there to worry about? And, and when it comes to the Eastern Conference, I'm about ready to go on a limb here and say Heat Bucks Conference Finals. Inject it into my veins. Let's, let's, let's get Heat Bucks Part 3. Let's get Heat Bucks Part 3. Now, granted, I got to see how the playoff seeding ends up because if the Nets are fully healthy, Kyrie could play home games. I don't know. If, you know what I'm saying, if Lopez comes back and he's back to regular form despite not playing since the first game of the season with a back injury, I don't know. If the Bulls get Pat Williams, Caruso, Lonzo Ball back and they start going on that tear like they were at the beginning of the season, although they're 0-13 against the top four teams in, in each conference. I don't know. If the Celtics, who have won, what is it, 17 of their last 20, they're 8-2 in their last 10 games, they're now the fifth seed in the Eastern Conference, they can move up to as high as three by the time we record next episode in a week. I don't know. I don't know. I'm keeping it, I'm just being real. I don't know. Now, granted, me personally, I feel like the I feel like the Bucks stops with the Bucks. <laughs> no pun intended. I feel like Every team has to go through Milwaukee. Milwaukee Milwaukee is the team to beat. 
to me, a lot of the season, they've kind of been coasting. You know, they're on their 2017 Cavs. You know, they're kind of just coasting through the regular season. You know when they have to turn up, they're going to turn up. But they need to be healthy. And I think right now they're prioritizing health. Lopez ain't rushing him back. Giannis, he doesn't need to play every game. Middleton don't need to play every game. Drew don't need to play every game. Bobby Portis is playing fantastic. I just feel like this team, when push comes to shove, they'll show why they're the best team in the conference. My personal opinion. Now, this is this becomes very interesting, this Eastern Conference, because to me it's all about matchups, but at the same time, I think every team in the top eight is a bad matchup for everybody. I think everybody's a bad matchup for everybody. Like Philadelphia, I think the I think the Bulls are probably the one team I would say that I feel like they have a team that I would want to avoid, and that's Philadelphia. Now, granted, the way things are set up now, if the playoffs started now, they play Boston in the first round. I like their chances. I'd probably pick them to win that series. Miami in the second round. I might pick them to win that. I don't know. Fully healthy. I don't know. I don't know. That's going to be it. That's going to be. That's going seven games. Six, seven at least. Right. We got two, seven Raptors, Bucks. I probably got the Bucks winning that one. I, I think the Raptors have kind of kind of taken a step down. Van Vliet has has been injured and he hasn't really been playing to the all star level that he was prior to the year. But again, a three, six, if they get Philly in the second round. I don't know. If they get Cleveland in the second round, I don't know. Cleveland with the three seven-footers that they love to play, I don't know. Which is why the Eastern Conference is going to be so incredible. I know the West is the West is loaded, right? In terms of the West, the West probably has some of the biggest title favorites. Like the Suns, the Suns are probably the best team in the league. They're probably the best team in the league. Like, they have no weakness. The only weakness is, you better hope they, they're, they're, their only hope is like, your only hope at beating the Suns is if somebody gets hurt. You got the Grizzlies at two. The Grizzlies are pretty good. The Grizzlies are pretty good. They're young, so there's a lot of questions about how they'll perform in the playoffs. But if you've been watching them this year, they've been very, very good. The Warriors, they need Draymond back. The jury's still out on Golden State in my eyes. I don't know. I don't know. Golden State can be had, especially if they play Denver in the first round. I don't know. Jazz Mavericks, inject that into my veins. We need seven games of, of Donovan and Luka. Clippers, now Clippers, hold on, hold on. I need to talk about the Clippers because the Clippers are the eighth seed and you get Norman Powell and Paul George back. Kawhi Leonard probably not coming back this year, but if you get Norman Powell and Paul George and you're the Suns, you got to play the Clippers. I don't know if you want to play the Clippers in the first round. I don't know. I don't know, man. I really, I don't know. That series is probably, that series might go seven. That series might go seven. And that might be the Suns' toughest matchup in the entire Western Conference. If they play if they play a healthy Clippers off of rest. Norman Powell, Paul George, they both coming back. I don't know, man. I I don't know. I don't know, man. Just something to look at. Just something to think about. My predictions will be coming soon before the playoffs. You can assure that. Um, make sure you guys stay tuned for the next episode. And the episodes after that when I do playoff predictions because those are going to be exciting. We got March Madness coming up. I'll talk about that in a minute. Right now, all the conference tournaments are coming up. Shout out Coach K on his last game at Duke. They lost to UNC, unfortunate, but shout out to him. Shout out Coach Popovich being the uh, all-time leading winner, winning winningest coach, excuse me, the all-time winningest coach 
in NBA history last night, making history in that regards. Shout out to those two incredible coaches, two of the greatest coaches in basketball history. And when we come back, we got to talk about the NFL to wrap up episode 78. My thoughts on Carson Wentz to the Commanders, Russell Wilson to the Broncos, and many more. Up next, Pull Up for the J Podcast. Lastly, to wrap up episode 78, we got to talk about what's going on in the NFL. A lot of, a lot, a lot of news happening. We're going to start from most recent to uh, the oldest, work our way backwards. Um, as of lately, as of a few hours ago, Amari Cooper was traded from the Dallas Cowboys to the Cleveland Browns. The pick specifically is um, the Cowboys are sending Amari Cooper and a sixth round pick to Cleveland for the 2022 fifth round pick and a sixth round pick. Now, personally, as a Washington fan, I love this trade for Dallas, and I kind of hate it at the same time. Now, I understand Dallas wants to get his contract off the book. I understand that. When you're talking about a team that, outside of Amari, do they really have a wide receiver one? I mean, I guess CeeDee Lamb is is solid, but uh, he really struggled near the end of last season. And, you know, that kind of showed in the playoffs and everything like that. So, with Michael Gallup, he tore his ACL at the end of the year. You're, I'm wondering what their receiving core is going to look like. Like we're talking about a team that went fully healthy, had the best receiving core in football, and now you take away Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup off an ACL. I don't know when he'll be ready for next season. You got CD Lamb. I'm curious as to the direction of this football team. Now, granted, are they? It could be they're trying to save money to pile up on the defensive end. Which, if that's the case, go for it. But for someone that's going to be making a lot of money as Dak Prescott, I feel like you want to give him the weapons needed. Like you want to hone in on your offense and don't, you know, don't give up on that. You don't want to give up on that. So I, I'm really curious as to what the move really will do in the long term for um for Dallas. It feels like they might go with really a two tight end type of offense next year, which, you know, Dalton Schultz had a phenomenal year last year. So we will see what's what 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 will happen. Dallas has also given permission to starting right tackle Lyle Collins to seek a trade. Dallas needs that cap room and was scheduled to make and Collins was scheduled to make fifteen point two five million light this season, and he will likely be released if there is no trade. So Dallas is all about saving money, but you're getting rid of one of your best tackles, one of your best one of your best tackles you got rid of your best receiver i'm curious as to to what they're really trying to do here it seems like i'm not trying to say they're taking a step back but i'm curious as to what they plan on doing with this money that they're trying to save what where are they going to put this energy towards are they going to put it towards the defense getting a better defense i'd like to see that it's going to be interesting 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 decisions here um working our way backwards some more deshaun watson in uh, the grand jury trial decided that he will not face criminal charges, which is huge because now teams have started to pursue him in trades. I'm not going to get into whether I think he was guilty or not, because obviously a grand jury really doesn't doesn't speak to whether someone's innocent or guilty. A lot of times when when, you know, cases as serious as sexual assault go towards a grand jury there's usually not enough evidence to even take it to take it that far so we really don't know i'm not going to get into the details of that in any way that's none of my business um to speculate on but what i will say is in regards to it being a football move expect a lot of teams to go after him 
Um, Washington, I thought would go after him, but they decided to go after Carson Wentz a couple days earlier. We will get into whether that was a smart move or not later. Um, the Eagles have passed up on him, but you got teams like the Panthers interested, the Seahawks interested, the Browns might be interested, the Steelers are interested. Just a lot of directions, a lot of teams that could really use his services. Um, so that'll be very interesting to see how much they end up giving up for him and see the effectiveness, see what happens. He hasn't played in a year. What will he look like with whatever team he ends up on? Expect him. I expect him to be traded before draft night. Me personally, I do. Um, that's just my two cents on that. Um, Thursday, Khalil Mack was traded from the Bears to the Chargers. I felt like this was more of a move to save money for Chicago, in which case this specific case compared to Dallas's. I can see why they did it. I feel like Chicago's defense will be just fine. You've got Roquan Smith, who's a dog. Um, he can hold it down. And I, I don't think the defense will really suffer as much as people are, are, are making it out the seam. The Chargers pick up another star on defense, which they really needed because stopping the run, I mean, they couldn't stop the run. We saw that. In the last game of the season against the Raiders. Where literally they just needed to stop them from running 15 yards. And they would have been in the playoffs. They couldn't do it. So. I appreciate this move. For the Chargers. I like this move for them. And I wish Khalil Mack nothing but the best. When he goes to Los Angeles. Now. I gotta cook. Because now we, we, we're going to Wednesday. Carson Wentz traded from the Colts to the Commanders. This These are my thoughts. Would I have loved Russell Wilson in a Washington uniform? Yes. Would I have loved Aaron Rodgers in a Washington uniform? Yes. Would I have loved Deshaun Watson in a Washington uniform? Yes. Am I disappointed I didn't get either one of those three? Yes. But when I sit back and look and I think about Carson Wentz, no, Carson Wentz has not been a good quarterback as of late. Carson Wentz has been probably top 15 Maybe top 20. QB. But despite that, 27 touchdowns, 7 interceptions. When he has a clean pocket, actually last year he had, let me get these numbers correct. When, when he was behind a clean pocket, actually threw 21 touchdowns and 5 interceptions. He'll be going to a team with a top 5 offensive line, not only running the ball, but pass protection as well. Whereas the Indianapolis pass protection, Pass, pass blocking ranked 30th in pat the Colts ranked 30th as a unit in pass blocking efficiency but they were a good run blocking team whereas you're looking at Washington who is going to be an excellent pass blocking team they were excellent last year and you're going to be pairing him up with Terry McLaurin who is probably the best receiver he's played with a receiving core that can be solid if healthy Logan Thomas, if he's healthy, is a very reliable tight end. You've got a thousand yard rusher in Jonathan Tate, or not, not Jonathan Taylor. He's on the Colts. Old news, old news. And uh, Antonio Gibson, if they re sign JD McKissick, that'll help offensively because he's a good uh, receiving back. Now, depending on what Washington does with this 11th pick, do they draft a Malik Willis? Do they draft, you know, or do they draft a quarterback? Do they draft a receiver like Chris Olave? Who do they go after? will all be determined here. But I want to make this clear. I want to make this abundantly clear. That while I do not think Carson Wentz is just some savior of a QB, that I'm, I'm, I'm not jumping for joy that he's here, he is much better than what we've had. 
Taylor Heineke, you know, he has a great story, a very inspirational story, but it was clear really from week three of the season that he was not a, a starting QB in this league. He's not a QB one. Now, if we're talking QB two, he's probably one. He's probably the best backup QB, if not second best backup QB in football. But he is not a quarterback number one. And when you look at what Washington dealt with last year, second most injuries in football, uh, all this COVID, all the COVID and injury, granted, every team dealt with that, but the struggle was real for Washington last year. You look at the fact that they had one of the toughest schedules of football last year, and they were playing with, you know, a guy that, for the most part, his career has been an XFL backup, and they won seven games. You can look at this season with a little bit of optimism, knowing, okay, we play in a terrible division where it's really up for grabs every year, regardless of who, how good each team is. Carson Wentz is a major, major upgrade over Taylor Heineke. And assuming the team gets healthy and stays healthy, we could be looking at Washington as possibly a 10-win team with the schedule. And before you say, oh, I'm, you, you're just gassing up your own team, I'm going to show you, I'm going to read to you the schedule for next year. I'm going to read you the schedule for next year. And you tell me how many games you think the Commanders can win next year at Chicago. The, these are not in order. At Chicago, at Dallas, at Detroit, at Houston, at Indianapolis. At the Giants, at the Eagles, at the Niners, those are all the road games. Then you've got home versus Dallas, home versus the Giants, home versus the Eagles, home versus the Packers, home versus the Vikings, home versus the Jaguars, home versus the Titans, home versus the Browns, home versus the Falcons. I'm looking at 9 to 10 wins there. That's a very good schedule. That's a very good schedule compared to what they had this past year. And when you look at that, and you look at what Washington, what Carson Wentz will be coming to, what situation he will be coming to, I feel more encouraged knowing knowing what can happen, what can happen here. So that's just something to think about. If we're looking at team pass rush win rate, the defense for Washington, granted they were kind of suspect last year, um, if you're looking at run block win rate last year, Washington football team, 75% led the league. That's very, very good. Pass block win rate, 63%, meaning they were ninth. They were ninth. Where were the Colts last year? They were at 60%, which is 20th. So when you're looking at when you're looking at these teams, who is some of the best pass protecting teams in the league? Washington is one of them. And granted, Brandon Sheriff might not come back next year. He probably won't. But even if you look at he missed a lot of games last year. Wes Schweitzer is the eighth highest performing guard last year with a 79.7. That's your backup. Yeah, I, I feel much comfortable. I feel I feel very confident in this offense, in this pass protection. I think what they really got to do is they got to hit on these draft picks. It's huge. If they go quarterback, I'm fine. They can get a receiver in the second round. If they go receiver in the first round, I'm fine. There's like there's a chance that they might be able to get a quarterback in the second round. Right? Either way, whichever way they go, they have to prioritize those. And they have to use this money that they've they've done, they that they have based off of restructuring contracts like Landon Collins. They need a middle linebacker. They need, they desperately need a middle linebacker. And they need a safety. I've heard rumors of Tyron Matthew. I doubt he comes here. 
Bobby Wagner, free agent. I doubt he comes here, but I pray he doesn't go to Dallas. Please just go. Please just don't go to Dallas, Bobby Wagner. I'm begging you. Those are the things that they need to prioritize. If they can get another tight end, that'd be excellent. But that's really their needs. QB, they have that met. They can get another one in the draft, whatever. I'm cool. They need a receiver. Terry McLaurin's money's coming up. You don't want to pay another receiver because you got to pay Terry, who's wide receiver one. Draft a, draft a receiver, please. You can get a tight end. You, you can get a tight end in, in free agency. It's possible. There's a good, there's some solid tight end. Zach Ertz is rumored to be interested in coming back with um Carson, pairing up with Carson Wentz. I don't know how accurate those rumors are. But if that is the case, you definitely, definitely, definitely have to try and get Zach Ertz. You got to. You got to. I'm Maybe this is just me being biased. But I do think the NFC East is still up for grabs. Now, granted, if Philadelphia does decide change their mind and be like, hey, I tricked y'all, we're going to go after Deshaun Watson. Because remember, Philly has three first-round picks this year. Three. Three. So Philly, Philly's going to be making noise. I'm, I, I may be a Washington fan, but I'm not naive. You know what I'm saying? Philly is Philly is making moves. Dallas, they're freeing up cap space. They're definitely trying to make some moves. So this is something that you've got to look at. This is something you've got to think about. And... um. I, I like what Washington has done so far. I, I would have liked to have seen them wait a little bit longer to see if Deshaun Watson would be interested in waiving his no-trade clause. But clearly, they felt like he wouldn't. So, you got to move on from that. Now, Russell Wilson from the Seahawks to the Broncos. It became abundantly obvious to me on Tuesday that he wouldn't waive his no-trade clause to come to Washington. Either that was the case or Seattle said, we don't want to trade him in conference. Now, my initial thought was, well, if Seattle's on the rebuild, why would they want to trade? Why would they care? Why wouldn't they take the best deal? From what it was reported, it looked like Washington even offered a better deal. And then it hit me. Seattle's not really trying to rebuild. And now you're hearing these rumors that they might go after Deshaun Watson. Now, the thing with Seattle is you give up picks. Seattle was really never in a good situation. situation excuse me. I always felt like they should have started the rebuild. They... I'm glad they listened. Some people were saying no because Russell Wilson's still in the contract. Just keep him there. Even though if Russell Wilson just walks for nothing, you look really stupid. So you might as well get whatever you can back for him while you know you could get something back for him. But not only that, Seattle has had a history of drafting very, very poorly. DK Metcalf is one of the few draft picks that have hit in the last few years, in the last many, many years for Seattle. Like, Swing and a miss, damn near every every year, every pick is a swing and a miss. So you look at these picks and you're like, eh, how effective is this really going to be? How effective? Now, if they do get a Deshaun Watson, you're much more optimistic because he's much younger and you could rebuild in that way. You can rebuild around him. He's really shown that he's had a terrible offensive line his whole life, his whole career in Houston. So, if you at least start trying to put a good one around him, you would think that he would be just fine. And when you're talking about the NFC West, toughest division in football, in my opinion. Actually, probably second now to the AFC West, which we'll get into with Russell Wilson. Um, you really, really, really got to stop messing around. Because you see, you see what the Rams did? They went all in, and it worked. You see the, the Niners? They're, they're rebuilding. They, they've got another QB. Trey Lance is ready. 
You know what I'm saying? He's ready. Arizona, they've been kind of sketchy with their with their draft picks as well, but Kyler Murray is him. You don't want to you don't want to start next season with Drew Locke unless you're really really trying to rebuild. In which case, you need to make that abundantly clear that you're trying to rebuild. And if you're trying to rebuild, I'm going to be upset because clearly you didn't take the best deal. You just wanted to spite another team that was in your conference. Now, Russell Wilson to Denver. I love this move. I want him in Washington, but Denver, truthfully, is just as good of a situation, if not better. Great defense, solid receiving core. They really just needed a quarterback. He comes in. I'm sure he will fit perfectly with this team. And when you're talking about a division that's got Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, Justin Herbert and the Chargers, Derek Carr and the Raiders, now you've got Russell Wilson and the Broncos, it's going to be a dogfight every, every single night. Every single night. NFC West games are going to be classics. Every single one. Every single one. Just got an alert. Alex Caruso will play tonight against the Cavs. Zach Levine is out. Big news for Chicago. But anyway, back to football. Back to football. We talked about the Bulls enough. Shout out to Chicago. Russell Wilson will have another opportunity. He's going to a team that I think will definitely make the playoffs. Has a chance at winning the AFC West. And could win a Super Bowl. I don't think that's an exaggeration by any means. I think Russell Wilson has plenty of good years left. From all reports, he's very open to signing an extension, which he probably will end up doing very soon. And I like I like the situation here. I really like situation for Russell Wilson with the Broncos. So shout out Denver. They have a good situation there. Defense is still fine. They didn't really give up much on the defense. They gave up Noah Fant, which, you know, it would have would have been nice to pair with Russell Wilson. It would have been nice to keep him, but it's okay. You didn't have to give up your great defensive pairs. You had to give up Sertan, Chubb, none of those guys. So you're pretty good on that regards. Get some weapons around Russell Wilson, some more offense if you can, and, and just rock out. That That's really the plan. That should be their plan. That should be their plan. Lastly, but not least, certainly not least, shout out Aaron Rodgers, re-signing with Green Bay. Devontae Adams is back with Green Bay. They're running it back. Personally, I didn't think they would. I thought the last dance stuff was real, but apparently they were going to get something to work. So now you got to wonder if you're Jordan Love. Where do you go from here? Hmm? Where does where does Jordan Love go from here? Is he just going to stay a backup for years on years? What is the plan here? Because if Aaron Rodgers does end up staying much longer, then you really just wasted that draft pick on him. You you really I really don't know the direction. Now, the thing with Green Bay is Aaron Rodgers is going to get a bag, a lot of money, a lot, a lot of money, 50 mil. That's a lot of money. So, you know, you need work on your defense. You need work on your special teams because special teams what lost you the game against the 49ers in the playoffs. And so did bad offense, but that's besides the point. You need to figure out how to get better around Aaron Rodgers. And Aaron Rodgers taking that much money, I understand. Green Bay was kind of in the desperate situation. You kind of had all the leverage there. But... Is this team a Super Bowl contender? They sure do look like it every single year. And then somehow they they fold like origami in the playoffs. So Green Bay has to figure out, because Green Bay knows what their weaknesses are. You have to face those weaknesses. you got to face those issues head on and address them now. Giving a lot of money to two players. You're giving a lot to Aaron Rodgers right now. 
He's Aaron Rodgers. He just won another MVP. But the thing is, you will be the best team in the NFC North, but you have to figure out how to get over that hump. And right now, they still have to answer those questions to me. So while I do think this is a great time for Green Bay, Green Bay fans should be happy and celebrating Rodgers is back. You should be now focused on how to how to improve the rest of this roster because running it back with the same roster and just oh well we're we're playing we're playing a home game at Lambeau in the playoffs uh uh-uh. uh no that's not gonna work it didn't work it's never worked people don't people don't think of Lambeau this ain't this isn't two thousand this ain't two thousand two people don't look at Lambeau as some oh well damn we got to play in Lambeau I guess we really don't have a chance anymore right Vic showed us that's that's fool's gold. Dante Culpepper showed us as fool's gold. Randy Moss showed us as fool's gold. Colin Kaepernick showed us as fool's gold. Eli Manning twice showed us as fool's gold. And now Aaron Rodgers, you got Jimmy Garoppolo showing you as fool's gold. Tom Brady showed you as fool's gold. A whole lot of guys. So that's what they've got to do. They've got to figure that out. And they've got to address it now. They've got to address it. They've just got to address it. So... That's that's how I would wrap this episode up. Um, I have no idea what the title of this episode is going to be. It's probably going to be something like I Told You So. Probably have Ben Simmons on the cover. But um, definitely stay tuned for the next episode. Thank you all for listening to episode 78. As always, follow me on Instagram at jfelton, J-F-E-L-T-O-N-N. The Twitter is three N's. Got some exciting news, what I might be doing this summer, but I'll, I'll keep that private until it's official. We'll be finding out more. Follow PFTJ Media on Twitter, please. That's really where I, I'm active on Twitter. Uh, as always, make sure you share this with your friends. Do not text and drive, and I will see you guys next week.